Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. We hope you'll come along for the conversation, and you can be part of that conversation by leaving comments at the website, untanglingchristianity.com slash 77. We also invite you to join our private Facebook group. To receive an invitation, send an email to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com and tell us your biggest need or problem when it comes to Christianity. We'll get an invitation right out to you. I'm John Polstra. And I'm Greg Monty. And today we're discussing a comment from the Untangling Christianity private Facebook group. So if you haven't heard about it, we started it a few weeks ago, and I've just started announcing it on the episodes, and there's been some great discussion there. I think there's a total of four of us. So we're starting small, but the goal is not to make it big. The goal is to have deeper conversations about things that we're talking about here on the podcast, maybe things that are related and Christianity in general, but we really want it to be a group that is focused on people listening to the podcast. So the kind of hopefully people coming from a similar orientation, and we realize that kind of narrows the field a little bit, but I think this kind of ties into the conversation actually, because the, uh, or the, the comment that was going back and forth with Greg and Anna, which was about, uh, well, she raised the issue of community and, um, that's really what we're trying to foster here. So if you know someone that would like to join the group, our request at this point is that they're actually like they've listened to at least one podcast or listened to at least 10 minutes. So listen to something. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, so we, we, there are plenty of other places on Facebook and other places on the internet to discuss kind of Christianity at large. And that's not really our goal for now. But I suppose that could change with time. So that's just kind of where we're starting. That's kind of the thinking behind the group. So where all things began was with a comment from Anna in the in the Facebook group about episode number 71. And in episode 71, Greg referred to different experiences of God and sometimes uh, misinterpreted experiences of God. And Anna kind of took issue with that a little bit, which I thought was great you know, kind of pushed against that a little bit to say, how should we look at other people's experiences of God? And in a way, I think she was saying, like, you know, is it really right to judge them? And that elicited a longer response from Greg, and things have just kind of gone back and forth from there. And I thought there were some really interesting things that came from that. Mm -hmm. Did you want to start in any particular place, or did you have any overall thoughts, or should I keep driving the bus? Well, the only thing I've got to say, because I've got to get it out of my head or it's just going to keep sticking there, is that when you said, you know, hi, I'm John. And I said, hi, I'm Greg. And today we're going to discuss. And I, I was, and it was everything I could do to stop from saying chapter 10 of not a fan <laughs> and, or chapter whatever of not a fan. <laughs> really? It totally took me back. I don't know why. But um, that's been a while. It has been a long while, you know, but uh, I, I've really appreciated the the whole scope of the discussions that we've had and just we've gone over so much material. It's been so beneficial. And now with the Facebook group, I really am excited about that too. It's, it's just so much more active. I think people don't feel like they've got to just, uh, 
you know, or they're responding to this episode or that episode, but they're kind of, I think, starting to sound off about things in any, any episode. And then, and then what they're sounding off about, we're kind of sounding off from that and using those all as jumping off. Well, yeah, another person asked me, uh, I think it was Evan, Mm. asked me, hey, what, what are you reading? What are you finding in N.T. Wright? Which I thought, well, great question. And I was like, oh, busted. I started like three of his books and (laughs) picked up four others. (laughs) That's hilarious. So I, but it was great. It was like a little, little mini accountability. I went and picked up the book again. I was like, okay, I got to get together my thoughts to answer this. It's going to take me a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I, I too agree that, that kind of the wider, having a little wider place to discuss than just the comments for a particular episode. Hopefully it, Mm -hmm. it opens up stuff up and i'm not a big facebooker either in fact no i reluctantly created an account maybe six or nine months ago when there was a uh i was doing an online course and part of the online course is a paid course and part of it was that you got to be in a private facebook group i was like well i don't really care (laughs) but then i actually got into the group and it was so positive and the interface is really well done and i was just like wow this is cool and then talking to some other people like do you think we should have a private Facebook group? And they're like, yeah, th- that could be really beneficial. So we're trying it out. We'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really good thing. And, and maybe a bit of a shout out to Marcellus too. Uh, we'd love to, uh, love to Oh have yeah, he's left some good comments too. on some mm-hmm. previous episodes. So yeah, mm-hmm. send us a, drop us a request to join him and we'll hook you up. So in terms of Anna's comments, I mean, I, I found it's, it's really helpful. She left a, a nice, long, healthy comment. Really kind of cutting back against, I think, what she perceived as, as me taking a bit of a skeptical perspective with relation to um, someone's claims to experiencing God. And I think the example that I used and that she cited, I'll just read it here. This is in her, in the, the initial comment she made. Take the example about the eagle flying and someone seeing that as God, as something God has given them as a demonstration of his love and attention. And that was, by the way, that was Greg's example in episode 71. Yes. But someone's on a hike in the Alps and they see an eagle and they're like, look, God is speaking to me. And yes. You, you took issue with that. Yeah. And I think that's, it's, that particular example had been used as a, a kind of a, a model for what could be questionable in terms of claims about experiencing God. And, and Anna made that comment and then she followed it up. The next sentence was, did God put the eagle there in the first place? Question mark. Maybe. Maybe not. But if he didn't, he turned that person's attention to the eagle and turned their thoughts to him. And if that person relates this story to another person, they respond with a scoffing attitude. What they are in essence saying to that person is, quote, there is no way that God would go out of his way to do that for you. You really aren't that important. I think that's um, a, really, a really helpful perspective that Anna has raised, particularly in the sense that how she's ended it there where she's sort of saying listen if you're doubting this if you're casting doubt or being skeptical about this then what you're essentially doing is questioning how much god cares about this person and i think what i would want to do what i do want to do is that i would shift the focus and shift the understanding from this being a demonstration of god's care and god's love to saying you know i'm not too certain what this is meant to tell me, you know, I, I think that God is ongoingly, if you like, demonstrating love and care. I think that the 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 huge, this kind of majestic scope or sweep of the story of of Israel beginning with Abraham and this promise and going on 
through these many phases of covenant and, you know, ending with Jesus who, who acts both to fulfill the, those, the covenant in a positive way, to take on the repercussions, which we might call or were called at that time the curses of a covenant, so in a negative way, but that also ultimately there's, as we've talked about before, there's this fulfillment of the promise to Abraham that through Israel, all the nations would be blessed. And this was made possible through Jesus living the life he lived, dying to, die, to death he did, and, and being raised again. And, and you know, and, and that is, uh, those, are, those are also elements of the Christian faith. Those are not, uh, you know, Jesus' uh, uh, resurrection is, is not some uh, um, historically verified fact that stands with unshakable certainty before us. Um, it, it is a, a claim of faith. Um, it, it is, however, a claim to something that happened in real time in space. So just, you know, to kind of put that flavor on it. But additionally, I think I want to be very, very careful thinking that, you know, an eagle flying in the sky or, or something that happens is specifically a demonstration of God's care and love for me. I, I don't think God is always trying to reiterate to me that God cares for me and God loves me. I don't think that's what's going on. I don't think that's God's intention. I don't think that's God's focus. I think that that message is communicated in a number of ways. It's, it's communicated certainly um, textually, right? Through that whole story that I but just But it seems kinda... so subjective. Which one? Like, well, if this person sees the eagle and they feel that God is caring for them, why? I feel like you're taking that away from them. Um, well, I mean, I guess th- they can think that, right? I'm not sure how I can take it away. Well, you're... It, but let me put it, it to you this like way. It sounds like you're skeptical. Sounds like you're you're like, well, I don't know. God doesn't really take care of us that way, so he he wasn't taking care of you. Well, I, that, that is, is that what you're what saying? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I'm reading you loud and clear. Then okay, you're, you're, you're reading me. Well, I mean, I mean, look at it this way: you've got a couple, and, and something happens. Something goes on, and, and uh, let's say, um, I don't know. The woman says, "This fellow really loves me," and somebody she's talking with someone about a friend about her husband, her spouse, and she describes what the spouse does. And the other person has, has, you know, is a bit doubtful about that and saying, well, you know, I'm sure that, you know, he may really love you, but the fact that he, does he really need to take on all these extra shifts? I mean, you know, you, you guys, you, you see each other twice a month. Does that really need to happen? I mean, what's your financial situation? How do you feel about that? Well, I feel terrible about it, but it's a sign that he loves me. And, and so we want to raise some questions about that. In other words, is this the mode of communication of love? So you might say God's communicating something to the somebody. Well, um, okay. H- how would I know? In other words, if it's more than guesswork, what does that more look like? What constitutes that more? You know, I could feel convicted about something. I could feel uplifted, encouraged. I could feel loved. I could feel understood or known. What goes into an experience such that I take from it these phenomena of feeling uplifted or encouraged or, you know, rebuked or known or loved? And I would say the same, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ringing the same bell most of the time here. There are certainly times where spouses show commitment and love to their families and to their, their partners by going the extra mile if you will, and really committing themselves and their time to work so that they can earn money that the family needs to survive. I'm not 
seeing that that's never appropriate. I am seeing that to unilaterally assume that because someone is working a 65-hour work week that, that they're doing that out of love for their partner or their family is a poor assumption. There's more going on than that. And I would say that in this case here, you know, um, I would be very leery of someone saying uh, that this is a demonstration. This eagle in the sky is a demonstration that God loves me. I would say I, I don't think there's enough there that points to any sort of indication. You know, you might have been reading something and there's something that, that comes together for you uh, in terms of a physical phenomenon that you see and you, you wonder about that. I, I appreciated, I guess, even more and a second comment which was the, uh, did God put the eagle there in the first place? Maybe, maybe not. But if he didn't, he turned that person's attention to the eagle and turned their thoughts to him. I'll give you, I mean, I may have stated this before. I remember, you know, in a previous podcast, but I, as you know, whenever we're in Switzerland, and we've been there now for almost three years in total, winter or summer, rain or not, I'm hiking. I'm always hiking. Every morning I go for a hike. In the course of three years worth of hikes. So, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hikes. One morning uh, in the village, in a field, I saw at about 6 a.m., it was quite early, two deer. But instead of just being, you know, close in proximity to each other, they were actually head to head, forehead to forehead, just there. They were there for a moment, just a moment, before they heard me and were startled and ran off. I remember going back to the fellow who was tutoring me at that point. I said, you know, and I was not a Christian at that point either. And I said, what do you think about this? Is that God being there or is that whatever? And, and he said, no, I don't think that's God being there. I don't think God put the deer there for you. But I think that there's something going on in terms of, there may be something going on in terms of what you think and what's going on for you in terms of your thought and what this means or what you can take from this. You know, and it's interesting that at that point I drew this to naturally my relationship with my spouse. And it, you know, and out of that I reflected on that. So I think what, what I would probably say is God allows for possibilities in our existence that will draw us to better places. Now, could somebody else have seen that same thing and very rightly made no, you know, draw no conclusions from it whatsoever? Yeah, I think so. So in other words, I don't, I think there's a, there's a very, very subjective, it's, it's, it's highly subjective as you say, but I, I think the subjectivity means that when someone's making big, big claims, I'm within my rights to say, oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. You know, especially when those, the more specific those claims are against the vagueness of an event. I, I think that that's just, um, it's just incommensurate, Right. You've got a very, very definite claim. God is showing me here that he loves me and cares for me against a very vague event. Now, if you have a much more specific event, a situation with a person, with dialogue, with something else that happens, if you have, I don't know, say an instance of somebody being healed or something like that, I mean, there, there's an event you can grasp hold of and say that this is, this is some specific action. But taking purpose out of that action is also difficult. Why did God heal somebody? Because God loves somebody? Well, yeah, but God loves everybody. And God doesn't heal everybody. And so I think I would also take this back to our, our more recent discussions on God's orientation towards, you know, God's central orientation, which is towards the kingdom of God. So, you know, there's a passage in the Gospels, I, I don't recall where, 
where the disciples um, asked Jesus why someone was lame or crippled or blind because they had done something wrong or their parents had done something wrong. And Jesus said, neither, but for God's glory. And I think that's part of this whole process of beginning to reorient our perspectives according to a trajectory aligned towards the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. And I think once we begin seeing in that direction, it's no longer so much about me, right? It, 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 it does relate to me. You know, part of the way I like to say it is for God, the central concern is God's kingdom. Then within that kingdom, we are epicenters. We are small moments and eruptions, if you like, of God's care and God's love. That's kind of, we, we, we show up on that, that vast, important map of the kingdom in very real and definitive ways. But Jesus didn't come to save me from my sins. Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God. And within that context, Israel is saved from their sins. And within that context, and the opening up of that context to you and me, because I'm a Gentile, I'm not a Jew, I also find that I am able to be in right relationship, which means the things I do to break relationship with God, and those are called sin, that thwart relationship, those things are ongoingly remitted. They are put aside. They are not held against me. And I'm given new possibilities. And this is some of, these are some of these possibilities. So me seeing that eagle in the sky might be me thinking, wow, this is fantastic. It's just amazing that I've been thinking about feeling weighed down by all my troubles and all these things I can't seem to get a, a grasp on. And seeing this eagle here and being out on this hike, I feel just rejuvenated. And I'm reminded of this and being reminded of things. So in other words, I think what my tutor would have told me is, I think these deers are reminding you. They're helping you to recall to mind something. But I don't think in being a reminder or a pointer, they need necessarily also be a manifestation. I just don't believe that. They could be, but I'd want to have more. Because when somebody claims, this is the, this is the tough thing, when somebody claims manifestation, then they're, they're playing a trump card here. And I think this is some of what I'm getting and some of what I'm responding to in Anna's uh, perspective. When people play trump cards and they say, this is God and this is how God is and I know that, they may be right, but they may be wrong. And through the history of the church, people have done incredible damage to other people by claiming this is God. And they all haven't been people who claimed uh, you know, that, 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 that God was some sort of a a monster who would burn them at the stake if they didn't claim this or that, or, or if they, instead of believing in the Holy Spirit, believe in something else. Also, I'm curious as you're talking is where do you know where this idea of having a quote, personal relationship with Jesus came from? Because the evangelical Christianity that I grew up was steeped in this idea that the idea that it's your personal friend mm-hmm. and it's on a very personal almost human level Mm -hmm. and yet the way you're describing things is no it's all about the kingdom of god it's way bigger than that and and we play some of we we play a role and yet we're not center to that role Mm -hmm. so i'm curious if you know like i'm just as you're talking i'm thinking well yeah where did we get this idea where does this whole idea of personal relationship you know, do you want to have a personal relationship with Jesus and, and that? Where does that all come from? Well, I mean, just know? in terms of, well, I've got some ideas. Even just in terms of that, uh, 
uh, notion of friend, if we look, and I'm just opening up accordance. Oh, right there's now. a song. Which what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, not helpful. <laughs> really? <laughs> Is there bad theology there? Oh man, don't 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 start me down that road. Really? Please. I have no idea what I'm. <laughs> I didn't even know I was poking well, a bear. I wouldn't. I, I would just say that that song songs are often a source of ways that the theology gets imported. And we don't really recognize it as being theology. And so we don't, we don't put it to the same tests. So in hymns, for example, some hymns are fantastic. Some of them are just terrible. N.T. Wright was going off on that on, I don't know where, <laughs> somewhere. But no, he was pointing to some very specific hymns and was like, this is problematic. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I, I sang those songs in church. That's funny. I'm looking for, uh, you know what? I might have just... There's a section in John where Jesus is uh, recorded as um, John 15. Listen to this. So let me just read John 15, 12 through 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And this is the NRSV. This is not a, um, this is a, a fairly, I don't know, rigid translation, right? Uh, you are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have made, heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I choose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands, so that you may love one another." So this notion of, I mean, you are no longer servants, but friends. This is, this is quite an interesting and quite a stunning sort of um, statement for antiquity. You know, first century Palestine to make this kind of statement is, is enormous, you know, and we don't really think about it now. Because again, as you said, yeah, there's this huge emphasis on personal relationship. And I do think that it's personal, you know, belief or, you know, believing is something, it's, it's an act that we undertake, Right. As individuals, no one can believe for us, as it were. But of course, as we've talked about, this notion of belief is much larger than simply, you know, mental assent or rational understanding or what have you. But yeah, I, th I think that's, if you like, a, a pretty legitimate way of, of seeing this, this, this notion of friendship and, you know, really, really tight, close, personal relation. But the other way to do it, I mean, we go back to the beginning of John, right? We could look at the, what we call the prologue to John. Verses 1 through 18. And I'll just start reading at verse 10, if you don't mind. He, meaning Christ, Jesus, was in the world, and the world became, came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he was given power. He gave power, pardon me. He gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. So this idea, too, I mean, of being friends, I mean, we're very closely tied in here, a very intimate, more intimate notion still is being children of God. And all of this, I think, cuts back against it. It, it adds a richness and a density to the discussion we've been having. I'm not going to tell you, I don't want to go there. I'm just going to mention it with Reformed theology and an emphasis, a powerful emphasis on sovereignty. 
I think that emphasis is good, but I think it is overemphasized because I hear nothing. I hear nothing in Reformed theology about friendship with Jesus, about parenthood with, as, with God as parent and father. So, I mean, I think these are, it's legitimate to see that the relationship is personal, but it's not, you know, as I've said before, it's not so individualized. That would be to take it out of its context, the much global, much larger global context of God's kingdom, right? God didn't come down here to, to save you and me. And you, da, 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 da. God came to reclaim all that is because all that is, is truly God's. There is a reclaiming of the entire natural world, the entire, if you will, created order, which means that nothing is jettisoned. You know, we're not getting rid of the planet. We're not getting rid of and, and abandoning this planet to, to be in some other place, that this planet and that all that is, is being remade. But I think you wanted to go someplace else too. So tying it in, tying it back, I guess, to the, the personal, I, I do like the way that Anna kind of closed it off by saying that she says, I trust God enough to let him be my guide. I've asked this of Christians many times. I've said, hey, if you don't believe me, then fine. Let's love each other anyway and let God work out the details. He is the author of truth. He is faithful to those who are his own. Mm-hmm. Few Christians have extended me this grace. Very, very few. Totally. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I totally hear that. And so then she raises a really great question, which is, and this is, ties into my whole, what I was kind of leading in about the Facebook group and having some sort of community. So then she writes, so then the question might be, why even share these things with others? Why take the risk of responding in such a way? The answer is so simple. I need community. I was designed by God, as we all are, to be relational, to thrive within a body of believers. And then she goes on about, you know, well, how do you know where can you be vulnerable or not? And and then she, you know, she talks at the end about kind of avoiding people who, she says, but I try to avoid people who take too much pride in these things at the cost of the mysterious, beautiful uncertainty of a passionate God. I think there is definite value in picking the places where you have community and, and having mm-hmm. discernment about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one of the reasons I don't go to church yeah. because I don't, I am not willing to sacrifice my brain. I'm not willing to turn my brain off and just say, well, I just don't feel this way and I'll just have to tolerate a bunch of stuff that doesn't make any sense to me mm-hmm. just so that I can fit in and have community. I just, mm-hmm. I can't. I think she's spot on there in terms of, yeah, you got to do it in the right places. Yeah, and I guess that that's also what's held me back. That's so interesting, you know, because on the one hand, you're talking about not feeling comfortable in a place because you have to check out intellectually. They want you to assent to things with with no content or not enough content. And yet, interestingly, when we're talking about the eagle, we're again talking about assenting to somebody's personal subjective content and letting that be okay for them. And, you know, my my perspective be okay for me. On the one hand, I do agree with Anna that we do need relationship and we need, we are relational creatures, if you will, or beings. We need the camaraderie and the closeness and we need the feedback. But I think I would, I would bring this back, I guess, to, to my dual emphasis on love and truth and say I, I need to be loved. I need to be cared for, respected, valued. I need people to express forgiveness, patience, mercy, et cetera, towards me in order for, for a relationship to thrive. But I also need truth. I need fairness. I need justice. 
these other matters are just as important. And I think I need feedback from other people. So if I make claims, part of what I expect from my friends and from those who value and care about me is they will say to me, hey, you know, you've been saying some things about this or that. And, you know, I've got some concerns. So let's take the eagle example. Someone could say, well, you know, I had this dream and I've been having these, uh, these thoughts and these dreams over the last little while. And um, I, I've concluded that God's telling me I should divorce my wife. And I remember this coming up at a meal table with Greg. And Greg's response was very um, brief. You're hearing something, but that's not God. You know, and sometimes we need to be just that definitive um, because, again, it's the trump card that's being played. If the eagle in the sky is from God, then it's very, it becomes very difficult to distinguish, well, that, it, that this, this manifestation is God. And therefore, what, my interpretation of it is correct? Uh, no, no, those, those two things are different. But even when the manifestation is deemed to be from God, it gives an extra density, if you like, an extra authority to that situation. And out of that authority and that density, I may think that I'm entitled to do certain things that could be very difficult for other people, for myself, could be very damaging for relationships. And so anytime there's a claim being made to God being involved, God endorsing something, God showing up in a particular way, almost every time that I have ever heard this, I have never heard the following. God showed up in a particular way and I got no idea what that means and I'm just going to kind of sit on that and gather a bunch of information. Mm, no, usually people have a very definite <laughs> sense. So there's no distinction, in other words, between some occurrence or event and somebody understanding that occurrence or event. This really happened. I, I believe you, it really happened. It was really God. Oh, I, I'm not too, too sure about that. And here's what it really means. Well, I'm not too sure about that either. And I think we've got to keep these three things separate. What happened, what the cause was, and what it means or what I should do as a result. And I think this is, again, part of that whole rigorous approach that I would want to take. I hear what Anna's saying. Hey, you got to be careful with how you're treating people. And, and I think Evan has made this comment as well, um, very clearly. I would agree with both of them. But by the same token, we need to be very, very careful what we are seeing about God through our interpretations of events and our actions based on those interpretations. We are offering a picture of who God is to ourselves, to other Christians, and to non-Christians. And, and I think that, for example, many people will relate to what Anna's saying. And I, I, I've heard that, I hear you saying you do, uh, I do too. But I wonder if instead of these people being Christians, we think about them being non-Christians, people who don't hold to any you know, uh, belief in the Christian God. And I think the first question they would ask is, really, that's God? How do you know that? And I think the answer, because I feel that way, or because, I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm grasping here, John. I'm, I'm, I'm completely grasping. I don't have any good indications as to why I think an eagle in the sky might be God because I was studying about, because I had a dream about an eagle and because of this and that. Okay, so there's a correlation of things. Well, I've had repeated dreams. I don't think they're God necessarily. 
So again, I think someone's well within their rights if they're saying, this is the picture of Christianity you're painting for me. Help me understand why I should be persuaded. Why should I want to come back and look at this picture again or in some way kind of let this have an impact on my life? And if we're floundering as Christians to answer that question, I think we might want to think again about the claims we're making about our experience. So why does it matter? Why? Because I mean, those people matter. I, I, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to get me going here. <laughs> well, I'm no. calm all the way along. <laughs> no, no, what? Well, maybe, maybe we're saying different things. When I say why does it, I guess to a certain extent, my initial reaction is, if someone thinks that the eagle is God, will like let that be let that be God to them. Like, what? Why do we need to take that away from them? Well, yeah. Again, I'm not gonna. Somebody's not gonna make a comment, and I'm not gonna cross a crowded room and say, "By the way, I heard this. That's completely bogus." You know, I would never do that. It just doesn't make any sense, right? But if someone comes to me and says, "Greg, I know you know a few things about this. Here's the situation. What do you think?" I'm gonna tell them. I'm going to be honest. Okay. Or if we're having a conversation, and, and we've talked about this at length too, I think in, in, in previous podcasts, a conversation that took place at Labrie, and a woman came in making a number of theological claims. That voice you hear in your head sometimes, it's not you, it's, 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 it's the adversary, it's Satan, it's the devil, it's whomever. You're never thinking those bad thoughts. You're never thinking those distasteful thoughts, those hurtful thoughts. That's somebody else. And I'm there with a student and I'm listening and I just said, you know, I, um, that's not been my, I, I don't know what, what you're basing that on because I can think of a number of times in my life when I've been a real butthead and it's not too hard, right? And I'm sure there's a lot of them that don't come to mind. And, and that's not me being hard on myself or, or picking apart everything I do. It's recognizing that sometimes I'm a jackass. And this person's, ultimately what we came to is this person's theology, and, you know, I pointed to certain, certain texts in the Bible and certain passages, and, and this person sort of just kind of stepped around those. But what this ultimately came back to for her was she had a particular experience that she thought was of God and that she interpreted in a specific way. So, again, the same thing, same three things, an event, a cause, and a meaning or significance. The event happened cause was God, and the meaning or significance was what she thought it was, and she had correctly understood it. And out of this, she had developed a way of seeing God and seeing herself. She had developed a particular theology. The point we were pressing with her, though, was, on the one hand, I don't think this matches up with what the Bible's saying, so you're going to have to make a call. Either God is the way you think God is, regardless of what the Bible might have to say about it, or you might have to do some rethinking about this situation on the basis of what the biblical input is. Now, I'm sure that the situation that she described took place more or less as she described it. It's the cause and the meaning or significance of it that I think are a question. But I guess what I'm getting at is that the orientation that she took, I remember this, this I didn't mention, and I think this is worth mentioning. The student I was sitting with who was listening to this woman speak, the woman was older. She was in her 60s. I'm in my mid-40s. The student was relatively speaking, relative to the age of the other students there, was older. He was almost 30. I think he was 29 or 30. I remember coming back to him the next day and we talked about this and I was very excited about the conversation because it was a very unique situation. She was an older person with firmer views and she hadn't been through, if you like, the gauntlet of sitting through formal meals, of sitting through 
lectures and discussions and having other people, you know, not just one other person like myself, but many people say, hey, you know, I'm not too sure why you're saying this. I'm not too sure on what basis you're making this claim. So in other words, she hadn't been, been, been pushed on her thoughts and she was completely honest. And that was fantastic. And I thought it was a great opportunity. Now, this was, of course, the summer term when this type of thing is normal. People will come for a day, three days, and they're just not there while there's a formal meal going on or during, you know, there's no lecture that day or those days. I spoke to the other fellow and I said, how did you find that? And here's the other piece I want to add. He said, it was terrible. It was undoing for me. And I just, my guts, my stomach just sank because I thought, well, on the one hand, I didn't keep him there. I didn't ask him to stay. He's an adult. He could have got up and left. But here I am talking about, oh, how, how valuable this experience was and how excited I was. Never for once thinking that what was going on was for him some of the very reasons, what this woman was saying and some of the implications, some of the negative implications were some of the very reasons that had brought this person to Labrie in the first place, some of the things they were fighting against, some of the things that had been deeply hurtful to them. Wow. That is the reason why we've got to be circumspect about this. We've got to be thoughtful. And I don't blame this. I'm not going about to, to particularly point fingers at this woman, but I certainly would say that within our church communities, on the one hand, Anna, bang on. I, 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 I resonate deeply and I am truly personally sorrowful for some of the mistreatment that you mentioned, you know, and just feeling like people are turning against you. And, and that's just wrong. However, that is one extreme. We need to guard against that. We need to push back against this way of mistreating people. On the other hand, however, we need to be careful that while we should be open and listening to truly hear what someone has to say, this does not mean that we lose our voice, that we lose our ability and indeed our obligation lovingly to, to critique. And I think that is exactly the error that the evangelical church has fallen into. I think there's more than one error, but that is one of them. We have failed to work at situating ourselves well between these two extremes of merely listening and endorsing, of immediately cutting somebody down, or maybe not immediately, but essentially cutting them down. We can do neither of these two things. This is not the, these are not the right ways to go. We need to navigate that middle path. If we don't do that, we alienate people, you know, Evan and Anna. We alienate other people like the student at Labrie. And, and ultimately, I think we break down the very thing that I think Anna's aiming for. She's aiming to validate the person. God loves you, absolutely. I believe I can communicate to another person that God loves them by even by being skeptical and or critical of that person's perspective. I believe it's possible. Those are not contrary notions. That's interesting, the, the two extremes there. That, that Yeah, I'm thinking, I can't think of any specific church experiences, but that, yeah, there's, there's definitely the two extremes of either one, that's way too crazy, like mm-hmm. that's so bizarre that that could have nothing to do with God. Or there's the other extreme, which is, I had this experience, and because 
God is so mysterious and does such amazing things, who are you to question it? Well, yeah, and, and and like it's untouchable to a certain extent. It's precisely, just like, it's just like it, you're just supposed to kind of give the courtesy smile and say, "Wow, that's amazing. I'm I'm so glad that God did that for you." When inside, you're just like, "Wow, I don't know about that." Right, and, and courtesy is nothing other than in that case, it's 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 being completely false. You know, you you are inside completely doubting that person. And so I think what our churches need to do is help us develop ways not to dispute better. This is not about dispute, but within dialogue, I can both listen and listen critically. And get more information. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and... and uh, Without it being this, threatening. Yeah. And this too, I think, is where for me, the notion of, of critical listening is very, very, very tricky. Because in critical listening... As as I've experienced it in Christian circles, there's a whole lot of critical and not very much listening. Critical listening <laughs> really means engaging with that person's thought, taking that that view as far as you can go, getting as much out of it as you can, and then working through that with the other person. And most times other people, especially in situations like these, when someone's had a uh, an experience of God, this is the other thing, that if that experience has been deeply formative. For example, with this older woman who came to Labrie, the story I just recalled, she was extremely resistant. She wanted us to change our minds. And I think, and this was an extraordinarily long conversation, maybe the longest one I've ever had. I think the conversation was about four hours. And at about the two hour, two and a half hour mark, I think she had the deep sense that she was not going to change our minds. But she wanted us because she, this was so formative for her she was not able to put this down at all. And I remember speaking with the, the student again that was there with me, the one other person. And I may have mentioned this on a past podcast. And I said, when do you think she would have stopped? And he said, never. She, was, she wasn't rabid, but she was not prepared to stop because this was crucial for her. This was absolutely crucial to her identity. And this is a place where it's very, very tricky. And we need good communication skills if we're actually going to hope to be able to have a dialogue and not a dispute, but still be able, where it's necessary, to be critical. Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts or questions on this episode, so leave a comment at the website, untanglingchristianity.com slash 77. We also invite you to join our private Facebook group. To receive an invitation, send an email to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com and tell us your biggest need or problem when it comes to Christianity. We'll get an invitation right out to you. Music on this podcast is made possible by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Tune in next week for a new episode.